Well, we have made it. Season six, episode six aired. Oh my goodness. Peaky Blinders, as we know it, Josh, is done. Welcome into the final episode recap for the final episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders. He's Josh. I'm Daniel. What'd you think of Lock and Key, Josh? Let's get some of our initial reactions out of the way. I thought it was a very good episode. I thought that it did a good job of progressing the plot. As we discussed, there was a lot to finish. I think there was a lot of things upon really letting it marinate overnight since obviously we, we, we didn't do the initial initial since we're over here in the, in the States and letting it kind of marinate and sit overnight. I kind of realized that they kind of closed off plots without really going into depth and explaining things like we didn't see Jack Nelson. Right. But his yep. plot was kind of, you know, finished via Alfie, as you said, via Gina, and then obviously via Michael being popped which is something that we'll definitely get into. Oh, Josh, we've got so much. Do you know how many notes that I have here? It is added control. This episode was 80 minutes on the dot, lock and key. And I'll tell you right now, we are not going to be able to touch on everything here in this initial episode, which is why we implore. You just like cutting me off or what? I'm, I'm cutting you off. We implore. I just needed to just let everybody know that it's just, it's impossible for us to go through everything in this episode right here. So I am trying to encourage Obviously, it helps us out a little bit for you guys all to join our Patreon, where our deep dive will truly drive into everything later in the week, patreon.com slash buy order of Peaky. But Josh, we jumped right into it. I had to get all the, the announcements off the top. You know that. No, I mean, yeah, but I, that was just like my overall takeaway from the episode is that I was worried with like 30 minutes left. I'm like, oh my God, there's so much that they have to cover. What are they doing? I think they did a really good job of, of doing that. And so- Overall, I came away from the episode very satisfied. Also really satisfied with where we stand going into the movie. Like it is going to be a lot. It's going to end up being another feature length episode is essentially what the movie is, in my opinion. And I think that the movie is going to end with World War II coming. You know, I think we will still see Oswald Mosley maybe and or, or the rise of fascism. I don't know. But that's, that's where I came out of the episode. Very satisfied. Really good ending powerful ending powerful you know directing music usage in this episode was very key you know the it was you could tell the actors were sad that their careers as peaky blinders actors that you know was really shown through their their display of their character great point that's a great point josh i Oh, there was a lot. Overall, Josh and I have clearly had our gripes with the way that everything's been handled in the last year and a half. The movie is something that we haven't necessarily gotten completely on board with. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm on board. I am very happy. I am very prepared for this movie. I cannot wait to see Killian Murphy reprising his role. Obviously, we're very upset with the way that it was all handled last week. There was no doubt in my mind that Killian Murphy was surviving this, this finale now. You know what I mean? Like going into the episode, I, I wasn't like, oh, is he going to die? Is he going to die? Yes. In that explosion scene, I was mentally and physically prepared to say goodbye no to, our, to our, no our hero. But did I ever really think for a moment the same way that in season two, did I ever really think he was going to leave us? I'm not sure. And I think that's Stephen Knight's fault for just leaking this bullshit that he's going to be in the movie. But aside from that, did they cover up all of the storylines that they needed to? I, I think, think they so. did. I think they did. Um, I do want to say, go ahead, go ahead. I, li I wish there was a little more to the Oswald Mosley plot. 
because we'll we'll obviously get we'll obviously get into that and what I think and my interpretation of where that plot was intended to go after watching this episode. I mean, we can get right into it right now, unless you want to go in chronological order from scene to scene. Yeah, how do you want to? How do you want to go about this, Josh? We can kind of, you know, in an eighty-minute episode, I don't know if scene by scene is going to be. Let's do plot by plot. Okay. I think I think that's and so I guess we'll start with the Oswald Mosley and the fascism plot and okay so when I was first watching and and it was over I thought to myself what was the point of the Oswald Mosley plot you know Tommy we spent all of season five with Tommy trying to assassinate this evil villain who seemed like he was the biggest foe yet but I think you can also attributed to possible Stephen Knight not knowing where to go with it and just being like, fuck, I have so much I want to do. Right. And basically the way that he ended it, in my opinion, is that, you know, Oswald and Diana get married and they're living their life and fascism is well on the rise. And Tommy assisted with that. And Tommy had to be, had to be in this moment in time, had to be in cahoots with the fascists or else he wouldn't be able to conduct any of his business whatsoever. He would have been destroyed, especially as a member of in the house or whatever. And he wouldn't have been able to do his initiative with Churchill if if Oswald Mosley wasn't in the picture. So I think that that's really where it left off is that Oswald Mosley is now married to Diana. He's with Hitler. And we know that they kind of live their own life, you know, aside from fascism and all that stuff. Really, they, they kind of live like, an, like a like a low key life going forward. So the only scene of this entire 80 minutes that has Oswald and Diana in it is a is a is an odd scene of, of Diana trying to seduce Tommy in the House of Representatives. Um, and then Oswald shows up and, and threatens Tommy. And it's, it's obviously a very interesting usage of Sam Claflin for like one line. But I think and I can almost see the gears turning in Stephen Knight. He doesn't want to alter reality. The way that we talked about in our preview on Friday with the, the winners and losers and all of that, we said, will Stephen Knight change the, the path of history in the way that will Oswald die? Will Diana die? Will anything affect that? And I think what we came to be is at the end of the day, Killian Murphy or Tommy Shelby is a small pawn in the world global movement. And we didn't get any Winston Churchill in this season. I don't think anything more than a glimpse one time when Tommy's talking in the house. That's all we got of Winston Churchill this season. We got a couple of references, but I don't think Stephen Knight wanted to really alter it too much. What I'm gonna take away is exactly that. Tommy is a small fish in this big pond. And we, all we care about for Peaky Blinders are the goings of this small pond. And so instead he went down the avenue of the swing situation where Captain Swing was a spy for Anya Taylor or for Gina's, for Gina's character. Gina is the, the, the talk piece for Nelson, who is supposed to represent this Kennedy figure. And instead of diving into the history books, I'm happy that he kind of stayed on our own created plot of the fake world that, that the show. My only, my only gripe with it is that he made it seem like the Oswald plot was like a greater picture plan in terms of Tommy's whole, you know, mission, his Certainly. last act, his, you know, how am I going to get the family away from, from, from everything and just go on our merry way? That's what it seemed like. And I think initially he had a thought that that's where he wanted the final act and the big bang for, you know, the end of Peaky Blinders to go. And especially with like, like why did Swing, you know, call, call off the Oswald murder? I, I guess like, because I guess, because that, that, inter that interacted with, 
Gina and the, and the Nelson family, and they all wanted to get them together in, in a sort of way. So it's just it's a little confusing in that aspect that I thought they could have done a little more with Oswald and Diana, you know, maybe a little more clarity. Like if Oswald was like, you know, Diana and I are, are moving away here for good, a, a little more explanation as to we're going to be, you know, doing fascist things for now on and we don't need you anymore. There wasn't that explanation, but I think that it was implied. And I also think that the, this is, this is a, another thing that you and I discussed when I texted you right, right after the episode is that obviously that doctor who they used yeah. to plant into Tommy's brain that he had a, a life-threatening illness and tuberculoma, which ended up being fake, that was Oswald and Diana's purpose as they wanted Tommy Shelby to murder himself, to commit suicide. And I think that that's also, you know, interjected into the overall plan is that their purpose was that they wanted to murder Tommy Shelby in a very secretive way. And I think that's what, that was a really, really, really good job. A nice icing on the cake to that plot, which is what I was concerned, you know, with like 20 minutes left. I'm like, where's, where's the Oswald plot going? And I realized that, that this fake doctor plot, you know, had the overall, plan of the Diana and Oswald plot. Bloody brilliant. We've got to give the hat tip of all hat tips to Catherine, who emailed it to us last Wednesday. We talked about it in our mailbag. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to our mailbag from last weekend when we when we talked about all of the different options and the doctor being a planted mole from the German brigade. He was at the wedding, as was the x-ray um, physician who was the maid of honor for Diana, was so good. But Josh, it, it ties that up in a way where I, I don't know, you know, like I'm not, I don't feel empty. I don't feel like I needed more from the Oswald plot because I read something of, of different fans tweeting at us over the, the last 12 hours or so. And one just said, for, for those of you upset that they didn't tell us the story of fascism, just go look it up in the history books. You know what I mean? We know what happens with fascism. Which, we know. Which go we ahead. discuss is like Stephen Knight does that. He's not in the business of, you know, lecturing you about history he he wants you to do your own research and that's right. happened to us you know we we were noobs in the beginning we didn't know about you know a lot of the history and a lot of you know european politics but it's important to do your own research he, he he's not he's not interested in lazy fans so as i as you said that he didn't need to explain to us basically the whole point of the oswald and diana plot was that tommy was instrumental in assisting them in building out fascism from the ground up and that is really what the purpose of their plot was. And so from the Oswald and Diana situation, one thing did spark and it was a, a action and a reaction. And that takes us into the Lizzie situation because obviously Diana's one goal in this was to get Tommy divorced, get Lizzie out of the situation. And she even asks him, right? Are you upset that you and her are apart? I don't have too much that I want to say. You know, obviously we have so much to do with the Michael and Gina and the obviously the Duke and Finn of it all. But with Lizzie, that line that she delivered might've been my favorite line of the whole episode. It really made my gut wrench when the second scene of the entire show has Lizzie confronting Tommy and saying, you slept with the enemy with the smoke from Ruby's funeral still on your clothes. Chilling, chilling. Yeah. And then we see that great, you know, Charlie finally standing up for himself and saying, I want to go with you, mom which at the end of the episode, he wasn't with her. So that kind of had me a little confused because he was at that, that family dinner, the Fast, and, the Fast and Furious style family dinner at the end. Um, but with Lizzie, is there anything that you kind of want to touch on here? Uh, no, I, I respect her for, you know, 
making the big move and saying, I'm leaving, I'm leaving you. Yeah. Who knows if that's really for good, but it seems like it was implied that it's that she's leaving him for good. Tommy doesn't care. So it's kind of shows that he doesn't never really, I don't think he's capable of feeling love. I mean, honestly, ever since grace passed, it never really felt truly right. Lizzie did a lot for the family and did a lot for Tommy. It's not, and I'm not defending Tommy's actions. Like I agree with her absolutely fucked up what he did. Your daughter is barely, you know, beneath the surface, barely, barely dead. And here you are sleeping with this fascist, crazy person who wants to murder your people. She said, yeah, she is the enemy. Like the big, and and it's funny that Lizzie says this and it's, it's almost like the audience speaking. This is the biggest enemy that Tommy's ever had. And he has sex with her. And that's kind of, that's kind of the the show. That's what the show was. Tatiana was an enemy too. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, just kind of, you know, a, a continuous theme with Lizzie. She's just always sad. She's never really ever been happy. And so I feel for her as a character and, you know, definitely a good closing to that plot and closing to her arc, which was important because it was it was better to just not, we had discussed, like, are we even going to see Lizzie in this episode? And I think it's yeah. good that we saw her and we closed it out right quick, really, really, that, really. The beginning. That's the key, Josh. They did it quickly. It wasn't a 20 minute scene with more, and, and as good as, you know, Lizzie's been and as good as, you know, all of the scenes with Lizzie and Tommy have made you feel and, and have, have expressed the true strifes of a marriage and all of that, I'm happy we got more time with everything else. And when you mentioned that we had to do research in the beginning of this pod, the number one complaint that fans had with us in the first couple episodes of Josh and I's infancy with By Order of the Peaky Blinders is that we called it Birmingham because there's a city in Alabama called Birmingham, the only Birmingham that I had ever heard of until episode one of the show. And Anya Taylor-Joy, the American Gina Gray, does such a good job. And I think it carries us into the Michael and Gina plot. She says Birmingham. Josh and I had a little bit of a back and forth. I had to rewind to verify, because at first I was like, did she say Birmingham? Did they make that? Because it would have been a little bit true to life had they had the American mispronounce it. There were a couple of, small, funny, ironic lines. And I think we'll get a little bit deeper in that in our Patreon episode, the deep dive. But Josh, this first scene of the episode, I know we don't want to go too, you know, in order of timing, but when this famous opera melody starts it, Requiem by Overture, obviously a, a song that we all know, it's, it's extremely popular and Michael is leaving prison. And the, uh, the Boston gang member says, do you want to drink first or a whore first? And he's like, I want to see my wife. He kind of answered ironic. the he kind of answered the question, didn't he? Little little ironic, but uh, I, I'm happy that they that they just kind of went right out in the open. You know, Michael's getting out of jail, and he and he's got he's got business on his mind. He's got his mission, you know, in his eyes, and he he was determined, you know, to get his eyes on the prize. So it was a really epic scene getting him out of getting out of out of prison there. And, you know, we cut right to it. Yeah, it cuts right to them in that in that very cold, gold living room that we've already seen them film in. And I've mentioned this before. I have a feeling that Finn Cole was on set for two days. He filmed the, the um, Mickelin Island scenes from the first episode and the last episode. He filmed the jail scene and he filmed the scene with Gina. And that's all that Stephen Knight had for, for time with Finn Cole, who is now a legitimate star in America. He was in the Fast and Furious movie. He's got his own TNT show. I didn't love the directing here. And I don't, I don't speak often negatively about the, the camera angles and the cut choices, but there was such a love and 
I don't know, chemistry in that last jail scene we got between Gina and Michael when she's obviously being very erotic and, and there's a tension in the air. And now we've got them, I don't know, a little disjointed, right? Almost felt like they weren't even filming together when Gina's across the room, answers the call from the informant, and they go back and forth about how Gina is certainly trying to run the ship, to, um, Josh, where she wants Arthur dead. She wants Duke dead. She wants Charlie dead. Gina is out of control. And even Michael, to a certain point, is like, hold on a minute. We're not going to kill kids and women. It, I don't, I, I kind of disagree with you in terms of it being a, a poorly directed scene. Because what I think was intentional is that like, she's worried that Tommy's going to leak the affair to Michael. And so I think that, that it was a really authentic feeling of like, of being on edge and being nervous about your lie finally coming into the fold. And so I could see that worry on her face. And so that disjointed energy between the two, I think okay. was, was, was really purposeful. Like she doesn't really love Michael. She doesn't feel that attraction to Michael anymore. And she's kind of doing it as a business and as a job. And she's really worried and she has fear. Ever since Tommy found out about her secret, I've sensed fear in her eye and I haven't really seen that confidence that she really exuded over the first few episodes in last season. Great counterpoint. And I will definitely secede that maybe I, I wanted there to be a little bit more love between them because I thought that when we were first introduced to Gina, there was, it was a great character. I liked her. Yeah. I, thought, I thought that the only true pet peeves and the nits that I'll pick, and there were a lot of them that I've seen fans upset about certain plot holes, and I'm sure you've got your own. The only ones I was really upset with were the ones in this storyline. Building up the child for us to never yeah. see it, nothing about right. it. We don't know whose kid it was. Like, what, what was the point of all of that? A lot that, of potential there. That nothing. Could have been wasted. And also, then, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, we don't know. And maybe Stephen Knight will kind of, maybe this will come about in the movie. Maybe Stephen Knight will talk about it a little more, but the, the affair with Oswald yeah, could have been used in a very important way to, to, to progress the plot. And we don't know if, if, if that call, you thought maybe that call was Tommy. At first I did, but then I realized it was probably Captain Sway. Right. So like that also was just for nothing. For nothing. And, and it didn't, it maybe, didn't make any sense. Maybe it was for what I'm talking about in terms of it being disjointed. And maybe that's implied, but that's a little bit too much of implied directing and, and having your fans not really know and, and having your audience not really know for certain if that is really having an effect on the character. So I thought that that could have been used to really drive the plot. And, you know, I mean, maybe Stephen Knight originally put that seed in there as a red herring. And maybe, maybe he wanted us to think that Michael and Tommy were going to join forces to bring down Gina and bring down Jack Nelson and in turn bring down Oswald Mosley. But he went a different direction in terms of, you know, not really having everyone else die, but obviously Michael dying. I respect that. And, uh, and I do think that the call from Swing was definitely about the, uh, the shootout scene that we'll get to in a minute. So I, I don't know if that was necessarily an empty dot, dot, dot thing. But if, if Tommy's going to tell Gina that she is going to be an informant for him and then that never pop up again, I am certain there's a deleted scene somewhere with another Tommy-Gina meeting. There has to be, right? Because, like, there was nothing. Gina never gave any more information to Tommy for the rest of the season. So that's one of those things. And I don't want there to be, like, oh, Daniel and Josh had gripes with it. Overall, like I said, a 9 out of 10 episode for me. Maybe the best of the series. It, it was definitely up there, and like my my favorite my favorite just episodes. Totally up. It was really well, well it was, done. It's funny because I was telling you, I was like, as a podcaster, 
I had gripes. Right. But as a fan, I absolutely love the episode. Like this is what we're we're here for. We're here to, you know, give it to you real. And we're not, it's not dandelions and sunflowers, as I always say. It's probably the last time I'll say that. You know, we don't get to pick from a menu, but as a podcaster, you know, we're gonna give it to you real. But as a fan, I just I I loved it. It was a really good episode, really good directing. I love the music. I love the how the character arcs really, you know, progress to the end. And now you could feel the raw emotion from the characters, even Tommy. Like we we got emotion from Killian Murphy that we never had seen before. Correct. Issue. So and and you know what? Lizzie said it. And and I don't I, I'm I don't want to go back too many times, but we did miss this one line. And I, I missed it when I was going over the Lizzie Tommy scene. Lizzie said, you can't really lie anymore. I could see the emotions in your eyes. And I think Killian Murphy would she's, 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 like, she's like, I can see the truths in your eyes now or like something like yeah. that. And it, you know what? You could tell that all of these, and especially the Arthur scene where he says like, rest in peace, Paul, they are being act- actors. But in those scenes, they are humans, yep. sad that this journey has come to an end. And I think that's something that we didn't really get with Game of Thrones because of its crazy, wild, absurd ending. We didn't get the true men and women that were a part of this show for 10 years giving plus, it like their final like, send off. They like wanted it to end too. Like they were right. dying for it to end and they were like, in, they were instrumental in it being a rushed ending as opposed to here, even though Killian Murphy is doing all that he's doing, even though Finn Cole is doing all that he's doing, they really wanted to make sure this ending, you know, was was good. And I really do not have any gripes with how it ended. I'm really happy about that. And I was worried about that. I, like it me being, too. It's like one of the worst endings in television show history is never, especially our favorite show. Like it would have it would have it would have been a colossal blow, you know, to have it be a bad ending. Game of Thrones, people, people, there are some people who think Game of Thrones is a bad show solely because it had an awful ending and that yeah, is just sad. such a disservice to how amazing that show actually is and you know this this show i i thought that they was gonna have like three different endings like i like there was a little part of me that thought that his car was gonna blow up and i was like oh my let's god get that'd be crazy. Let's, let's do that now josh because i'm excited to talk about it so you know obviously this episode is very disjointed that's why we're gonna go plot by plot it, you know we saw like five different times the mckellen island scene so we'll just go with that there so michael gets out of jail michelin michelin it's not mckellen i I don't know i don't know josh i don't know how to pronounce it i remember i used to call it mcquelton in in episode one um but the bomb is in the car i did not know that there was going to be like that came out of left field for me so i love that surprise i didn't know there was going to be a bomb situation obviously when michael explains it it makes more sense that he said you know my mom told me that it was not going to be a bullet that kills tommy shelby even though the Tommy bullet we'll get to in a minute. It was really interesting. I was like, wow, like Michael actually, it was the first time this, this season where I accepted, like, I don't know. I was holding out hope that Michael was still going to kind of love Tommy. I don't know. And like, I was like, wow, Josh was right. Michael actually wants to kill Tommy even until the very end. I was like, Oh, Michael put the bomb in the guy. No, I was wrong. But the plane stuff, First plane in Peaky Blinders, I think. I don't think we've gotten a plane. Well, they were talking about how Tommy says, they say it's the future. I'm not quite quite so sure about that. (laughs) So it was kind of, it's also funny. (coughs) Excuse me. It's also funny. It's another evidence that Tommy just like, is like so stuck in the past and is like so blinded. Like uh, he's so foreclosed, he has blinders to the future. Another like, you know, technological, innovation of the time he is in denial about so he had a pretty rough flight um but i think go ahead 
he's going through that turbulence. And, and I thought for a second, I'm like, there's no way that his no. plane is going to crash. I, there was a 0% chance, but I think you could just see it in his eyes. Like there are multiple scenes this season where Tommy and Arthur are just ready to die. And that was another one where Tommy's like, I'm going to risk this because I am already dead. And that scene that we saw, you know, in the season four. Um, but what did you think about this montage? I thought this was a little corny with Tommy on the plane and just like basically a previously on of the entire season. Like Tommy's like visualizing it all. I, I don't know. Like we already got our previously on in the beginning of the episode. It was a little odd to have like Tommy's life flash in front of his eyes like that. I, I mean, it, it, it probably was a little corny, but I mean, I it, really it didn't it, it didn't take a long time. Um, we, right. we it, out was, that, it was a little corny, but right. and for someone who's so nonchalant and doesn't really care about dying. I mean, yeah, I can totally yeah. feel that. But uh, so, it was I, I also wish that we got a little more explanation as to the whole you know, process of disarming the bomb and, and not being in his car. It was, we were kind of kept in the dark a little bit. So this is what I think happened. Um, the bomb's going to go off at 4.20 p.m., exactly 16.20. Obviously, Tommy doesn't know that, but it doesn't really matter. I, re- I wrote down here, I was like, wow, Tom is just pounding back drinks the second he gets to the bar. And I think he does that as a distraction method. So everyone's eyes are on him because I wrote down here, I said, I had this all like kind of calculated. I was like, okay, so Tommy's got Johnny Dogs already in Mickelin. And I don't, right. know who, I don't know who else he has. I know Johnny Dogs and probably well, Hayden, Hayden Stagg. We, but we, don't, we didn't know that. You know, he told us that Johnny Dogs was going to be there. He didn't say anything else. And when Johnny says that I switched the plates, I think he switched which car had the plates on it. So I think all of the gang members got into the car they thought was theirs which ended up being the other car. That's the only Got thing it. that I can well, take away. I don't think he, he took the bomb out of the car and put it into the other one. That's my And then he says, I hope, I, I hope what I did was a good thing. And right, tell me, Dogs, tell me, but... yeah, tell me what Johnny Dogs, the, what, what, like his, I think his only like real line of the season. I said, yeah, he you know, was, like. He didn't really have a lot, a lot in the going on in the season, but, but he then, was, ended up being one of the most instrumental characters in the entire show, so. Our two guys, Packy Lee and Emmett J. Scanlon, maybe had like the two biggest uh, roles in season six. Um, and then Johnny gives the, the best line of the entire season where he's like, uh, you know, uh, Tommy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go look at the fog. Yeah, it's just, that, was, that was classic, but um, it just didn't, I mean, if, if Stephen Knight had not leaked the fact that Tommy was giving me the movie, I might have had a little shred of me. I thought it was. I thought that it was his car was going to blow up. I thought but it was. I just didn't think that that was going to be the way that he was going to go out. And then obviously, it's not his car that blows up. And we get one of the biggest scenes in Peaky Blinders television history when Tommy and Michael, you know, go face to face and they have their little showdown. If you want to kind of just break that down a little bit. Yeah. So I'm going to start with, with Michael telling Tommy that he has to, what did he say? I forgot my, I don't know. I don't even remember what it was, but he goes back into the bar and I swear this was a longer countdown than the Barney shit at the end of season five. I am sitting there and we're all sitting there and everybody's waiting. And you got Tommy looking in the rear view mirror and we're waiting for the Mr. Shelby to show up and figure it all out. And Michael's sitting there and it explodes. And I am not going to joke around here. That is an explosion, Josh. That certainly would have killed Tommy in his car like the way that they had all of the windows explode from the bar tell me how a car one foot away from the other car didn't get touched at all i guess that is a little i mean <laughs> we don't know if he walked out of the car 
Like we don't know if he walked away. Well, but wouldn't wouldn't all the, wouldn't all the guys? No, but all the guys were watching him in the other car. I guess that is a little not whatever. Just another tiny nitpick. But he comes out, and this is the moment where I thought he was going to tell Michael about Gina and Oswald. And this was the moment that I thought he was going to turn Michael back on his side. But when Johnny Dog says goodbye, that's when I knew. Oh, really sad. You know the the. She, she'll visit me no more. And it, like, I'm getting a little emotional thinking about this scene. And cause you know that like Polly would have had such a big, you know, impact in this season. And instead they have to kind of work their way around with some flashbacks and some deleted scenes. And that's when Tommy makes a, a choice. The, the line, I have no limitations. Do you think that him, like he feels like killing Michael was wrong? Cause I don't know. I, like, Tom, Michael literally just tried to blow him up. I don't think that Tommy wanted to kill him. Like, I, I think that Tommy understands why Michael wanted to kill him. But I think that he kind of was like, I have to do this because, like, you're just going to keep on trying to kill me. And let me just kind of rip the Band-Aid off a little bit. I also find it ironic how Michael said that Polly said that, that it was never going to be a bullet that killed Tommy. And then Tommy, in turn, used the bullet to kill Michael shot him right in the eye and just, I would like, I mean, that's that, that image of Michael on the ground with his, with, with his eye. Harrowing. Yeah. Just, I mean, really well done. I'm, and I'm happy that it was like just a quick shot and dead. Like that is such, that is such a realistic way of going through it as opposed to him, like, you know, a clockwork orange, you know, slow motion, shooting the gun and one more line, you know, like right. Tommy, tell nope. my wife, nothing. Boom. Right. Just shoots him on the floor. Tommy walks away. Like that was harrowing and really a testament to who Tommy Shelby is and encapsulating his character as a whole. And then a really disappointing use of Tom Hardy, in my opinion, you know, like the trailer builds it up with that one line, the only real line that we got between Arthur, I mean, between Tommy and, and Alfie when he says, like, I've got your final act. And it wasn't really anything, you know, like, a, well, now, like that's, that's why I'm asking, did Tommy have, I mean, did Arthur have a lot to do with, the, with, with help saving Tommy? Unanswered questions, right? Like, I don't know, unanswered. What I have, it was one yeah. of my gripes, like, yeah, Johnny, Johnny Dog switched the plates, but like, Arthur probably was instrumental, like, why is he in Michelin throughout this time? Alfie, yeah, because he, you know, he comes up, he has a great line. He's like, I smell roasted Irish. And then... No, he says, I smell the presence of a burning Irishman. Okay, I have roasted. I wrote down roasted because I remember that word. He has a new wife. They, just, they were just married, Edna. You know, Tommy hears about how it was a big circus and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Tommy's um, missing all these weddings, by the way, because he can't go to the Oswald wedding. He didn't go to the Alfie wedding. But Alfie's happy that he now owns half of Boston. <laughs> That, yeah, that, that is true. He's happy about that. Um, he asked Tommy, you know, I don't remember exactly what, what he was saying, but he's like, he's like, he's like, do you have to clap? Do you have to clap? So, yeah, goes, so, no, it's not even, it's not even that noble. So Tommy essentially is, sits down now with Alfie in the bar and he, he's still expressing a lot of remorse. He says, I quote, I crossed the line. Um, it's sad because Alfie then gives him like, I don't know. I, I kind of would have, I would have liked one more emotional scene between them. We had that great one when Tommy kills him at the end of season four, quote unquote. And, and Alfie kind of expresses a lot of emotions in that scene at the beach. And, and Alfie comes back and says, you're better served expressing emotion to someone who gives a fuck. 
And then he does tell him, he's like, I can, as somebody who's been dead, I can heartily recommend being dead. So that's one theory of what the movie might be. Tommy might be working from under the shadows because there is no way that people are going to find out that Tommy survived. He could certainly leak it that he also died in that explosion. We're going to wait and find out. But that's all we really got from Alfie. I, I don't, I, it was, I wanted a little bit more. Yeah, that's that's kind of the us wanting to pick from a menu kind of thing that I always say. Sure, I mean it's the Stephen but, Graham thing again, right? You're going to get these A-list actors and and tease us with it, but I'm not upset with what we got. All I wanted was just a little bit more Alfie impact, but it's it's. Well, a, no I think they kind of just built it up a little too much. Like this final act, I have one more act for you, and we don't even really know what he did. Exactly, you're right. So, that's exactly what it was. I I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe we get some more clarification on that. Maybe on another rewatch, we can kind of, you know, I mean, this is we've watched just once, guys. Like, like this is this is raw. Like notes on our phone while we're watching, and especially in these types of episodes. In this episode, I I really wanted. To, I told Daniel, I go, I'm not taking any notes. I'm gonna focus on the episode. I couldn't help myself. I wrote down some notes, but there's definitely some things that we missed that, you know, obviously when it comes out on Netflix for, for you folks across the pond in America, um, we're, we're going to, we're going to be, we're going to be more uh, well-versed in, in like the, the little itty bitty details, especially also in our Patreon episode too. So there's, uh, yeah. there's going to be things that we miss that we're going to find out, but I agree. We could have gotten a lot more from Alfie. Certainly. And I mean, it's going to be fun too, because with Netflix comes binge watching and that's when we can yeah. do our, our, podcast episodes that have spoilers and basically say hey don't watch don't listen to this until you've watched all six correct and and that way we can kind of look back on certain things but one thing that i think i got wrong is i definitely thought that they were going to use arthur as this professor role kind of thing you know where like i thought maybe he would be the one that is like in charge of duke but instead they go charlie strong and uh and it starts with charlie strong showing duke all of these guns, and then that long-form story about Duke who killed a man outside the hospital that his mom couldn't afford to be in, and then his mom obviously dies before that next spring. But wow, I don't know. I don't even know where to start with this. Obviously, we got this big meeting, Tommy telling all of his men, including Billy Grade, and there was no doubt in my mind that Tommy knew about Billy Grade. Right when he made sure. sure to include him in that meeting, it was very similar to Mickey, the bartender from last season, that's when we find out that Duke is going to rise. When, when Duke's the only one that understood Tommy's Romany, right then I was like, okay, Duke is going to be the star of this movie. I texted Josh. I was like, that's what this movie is going to be about. It's going to be about Finn trying to get revenge on Duke. Um, I, thought I, don't, was, I still don't think it's going to be about that. We'll see. Time. We'll see. Um, there was a funny joke here. And this is just one of those like uh, – how do you like a modern joke in a show that is not modern where Tommy says, we're going to have a big party on Sunday. And Billy's like this Sunday or next Sunday. Cause Tommy says next Sunday. And then, because some people say that they say next week when they really mean right. this upcoming. And right, right, right. <laughs> so that was like a very, very minor, just like hilarious part of this episode. I just, like, I just, hilarious. Loved, I also love how Tommy like looks at him and he's like this Sunday, like shut the fuck up. <laughs> it was, it was pretty authentic. I, I, I enjoyed that. And it was like, it kind of like broke the fourth wall a little bit. Not really breaking the fourth wall, but. It was, it was a little bit, a little meta. Right. And so uh, I I knew right then and there that Tommy knew that Billy was the black cat. And And, and he knew that Finn helped him. You could just tell the way that Tommy's upset at Finn, the way that he scolds him um, for like 
making sure that, that he's going to be on time with his wife and all of that, where he, he's like, you're a, you're a Shelby. The clock strikes six when you tell it to. Right. Great line. Great, great, line. great, um, great little bit of, of back and forth with his, with his real son, Duke, when he says, those who know the truth will know to be cautious. And Duke's like, I know the truth. I'm not sure, you know, if there, I don't know. I, I'm sure there was a, a, a scene that we didn't get that where Charlie Strong told Duke about this because that's when Duke at the, at the house told Finn that Charlie Strong told him to leave the gun with two chambers empty to see if Finn was going to shoot Billy Grade or not. Let's jump right into it because we get this amazing house. We get this amazing moment where I think it's, oh, man, I'm going to get crushed for this by you guys. Is, is it the Ivy house? I think that's what Tommy calls it. The house that he's been living in the last, whatever, four seasons with Francis there devastated. Curly's at the house. And Josh, it took me about four minutes to understand and text you. I'm like, oh my God, this is a rat trap. And it certainly was. It was a rat trap. And you were right about that. I, 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 love, I love that reference, by the way, a rat trap. I, I'm sure that that's been referenced in movies and shows. I don't know. I kind of just like, it popped up in my Whatever, mind. Whatever, it was, it was good. Um, definitely a rat trap. Um, I thought Finn for a second was going to fucking die. I thought so too. I thought they were going to kill Finn. And I was like, this would be crazy. I would have been, been on board. Cause obviously we are not like pro Finn this season. I'm, I'm totally, a lot of people are griping Josh about Finn's lack of usage. I'm fine with it. I'm fine I'm with totally it. Totally fine. I hated him even more in this episode. Like, yeah. Oh, you're not a Shelby. You're the son of a whore. It's like, dude, like this is literally Tommy's son. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Like, just moron. Stop. Mind you, the son of the woman that he was madly in love with, and he's alluded to how how in love with he was with this woman. I'm pretty sure, correct? This is no, this is a different different woman. Are you sure it's not the same woman that he talks to Jesse Eden about? This is a different woman. This is one correct. that uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's okay though. But still, I'm sure he had infatuations for her. Um, she stole something from him, he said, and then they had sex under the tree. But I, it's still it's a crazy scene. Great quote. Gotta wait until all the bodies are buried before you dig them up. That's when you know somebody's going to die there. I can't believe Finn tried to kill Isaiah. That was crazy. Yeah, I mean. That was crazy. It, 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 it sparked, though, hold on. It sparked with Tommy telling Isaiah he's in charge of this whole thing and Finn getting yeah. very mad at that. So there's obviously a little bit of younger brother jealousy, and that's when Duke delivers the line, the, the, the title of our show, you are no longer a member of the Shelby family by order of the Peaky Blinders. That's when I wrote, that's the fucking movie. I think that's the movie. I, I was kind of the, the one, so I wrote down, I go, I actually wrote down in my notes. I'm actually kind of starting to dig Duke a little yeah, bit. I, I fuck with Duke. However, it was just too much of a flip of a switch. You get me? Yeah. We didn't get a build up. Last episode, he was like off the Shelby family and like not he, being a part he, of the family. He tried he, to run away and steal their money. Right. He was like a little innocent little guy. Now he's like a fucking backstreet razor gang king. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's, but I guess it's important. Like Tommy saw potential in him. And I think that this was kind of something that I was also implied, not really take, you know, explained that Tommy found, saw potential in him and him being this almost hitman for him going forward. I think Tommy gave Charlie Strong the, the option. He basically, I think he gave Charlie Strong all of the, like all of the power and said, if you trust this kid after your long conversation with him, then I trust this kid and basically like let him go through the Charlie strong test and see if he passed it. And he clearly passed it. And 
I think it puts a perfect bow on that entire little, like quick little storyline, the Billy Great stuff. They find out about that. Obviously Arthur is waiting and that brings us right into Arthur, doesn't it? Because he's waiting for Captain Swing. Um, one little bit about the Tommy Arthur conversation. I love that they, they gave us our answer about whether Arthur was clean and it was because of Tommy. The dragon was gone because he that can plot, no longer get it. Boom. Right, that pause done. Perfect ending so, to that. I, I thought there were some, there were a couple pretty good quotes in that. And also something that I noticed in that room, in every single camera angle that they panned around, there was a different painting of, of a man on a horse. Ooh. One on, on a white horse, one on a black horse. And I, I, that was purposeful. And just really, really cool to show that obviously means a lot. Then they, they have the painting of John. So, so we see John. Then Arthur goes, John, fucking you, John. Fucking both of you. And, you know, it was just really raw emotion and really powerful in that scene. And, you know, Tommy tells him, tells Arthur, that will be my legacy, money. Because the people closest to me, that is what I fucking am. Yeah, I hated that. It didn't make any, I don't know. Like, Tommy, does Tommy really think that? I guess so. He I like does. That he thinks Arthur, that he just gets used and, he, and like yeah. no one would be anything without him. You know what I mean? I, I like that Arthur initially and immediately was like, no, you're wrong, Tommy. Like, you're an idiot for thinking that. Because well, yeah, he says, whenever, whenever everyone is taken care of financially, I will do away with myself on my own. And I was kind of shocked that I, I was like, okay, so that was also important because they were laying out the foundation that Tommy was going to kill himself. Yeah, and then Arthur, obviously, at the end, made it known that he kind of wants to do the same thing, doesn't he? Exactly. And, and when we're talking, I mean, later on, Gina, in her conversation with, with, with Michael, says, that's how you become king. Um, yeah. yeah, you kill people. Arthur and Tommy want to be dead anyways. On Sunday, we would just give them what they want. And I wrote down, is she wrong? And she's not because they both literally said that earlier in the episode. Oh, that's that a good catch. That's a good they, catch, Josh. They didn't really care about being dead. The only thing that they cared about was like what they left behind, really. And yeah. how selfish would it be to leave Ada alone with that whole mess? But Tommy kind of feels when he's talking at that, at that very typical uh, dinner, gypsy-like dinner in the woods, that, you know, you were the one who was born to be a politician, not me. So you'll be fine when I die kind of thing. And it's like, what the hell, man? Uh, very weird. Ada's like, what's going on? But let's backtrack a little bit to the, uh, to the well, first I want to say that Sunday catch that you had, that it all went down on a Sunday. Cause obviously the party's on the Sunday at the house and the, the shootout's going to be on that Sunday too. That's something I didn't catch in my first watch. But interesting that we get a little bit of a uh, foreshadowing when somebody's filling in for Jeremiah. And Arthur even says, where is Jeremiah? Jeremiah would later obviously show up in the gas mask to help them on the shootout. But in that entire shootout scene, I don't know. It, the, it's kind of the same as that the, the, the Chinatown stuff. It wasn't like my I, favorite. I actually liked it. Yeah, it was like, fine. It was long. It could have been condensed a little bit. But like when, when, I, when I saw them like walking with, their, with the gas masks, that and was they were sick. like slumped over, I was like, this is creepy. I love this. This is fucking intense. Like it was like, it was just like showing the progression from season one to that moment of how the times have changed, how things have progressed and how they're stepping into new areas of, you know, carrying out their, their killing. And I, will I say, was worried for a second that Arthur was going to get shot. I was about to say the same thing. So I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. The beginning of the scene was brilliant 
Arthur's sitting alone. I have no idea what's going to happen. Captain Swing walks in with her goons. And then instead of them pulling the trigger on Arthur, it's Charlie Strong sitting in that little booth. Arthur jumps on top, able to kind of get Swing. I, I didn't love the acting by Charlene uh, McKenna in this, in this scene where she's like, you're going to shoot us like dogs. It felt a little weird because like she was about to just walk into the garrison and shoot them. Um, but then you kind of knew that something was going to happen. They've got a sniper out there. That's when the camera work starts. Arthur's been shot, right? We see Arthur get shot. He's got his blood sprinkled on the cobblestones with the flickering lights above shining on it. I love the little kid who walks up and picks something up. I, I couldn't necessarily see what it was that she was going to pick up, but that's when her- I her, thought it was her, a grenade. I, I didn't know. I didn't. I was like, what is that? Is it like a- well, yeah, I also just love like the the mom was like, "Be careful, you know, yes. if, if you if you if you run too far, the Peaky Blinders will snatch you up." And I was like, "That is awesome." I and, and that that reminded me a lot of season four during the uh, Changreta shootout, where yeah. you have these commoners are in the midst of the shootout and you forget the like the the, the normal person perspective in what, Birmingham. What about that op the the episode that opened season three in one of the episodes where there's like a little puppet show going yes. on remember it everyone and there's just these casual people but i felt like that line more than anything josh was more like the peaky blinders are like the boogeyman you know like if you get lost in the fog the peaky blinders will get you you know and yep. it's like y y i love that little addition jeremiah shows up I, I wrote it's like a batman movie with them all with the gas masks arthur shows humanity and helps captain swing we didn't really get a close to that did we um with with captain swing there and then who, who walks in and sits down next to them? I think it was Charlie Strong when, when Arthur was like, tell. when I Arthur was, was like, was it Curly? When Arthur was like, go away, we're still in France. It was just him and Jeremiah sitting there. I thought it was Curly, but- I It might've been, it was pretty dark. Um, but I was like, really? oh, they found out it was Swing because Billy exposed it to them. And it essentially like, they must've tortured Billy to get that information. Go ahead. I was going to say mute because I can hear in the background. Yeah, I, I'll be honest with you guys. My power went out, so I'm recording this outside. So we're all just going to have to bear with like the, the planes flying over. So I apologize for that. But you got to do what you got to do. I think it was difficult to use the, the most important episode to date for our podcast. I know. Daniel experiences a power outage. Crazy. Has to drive to a nearby coffee shop. <laughs> Absurd. Absurd. Dedication. It, we're, we're here. We're doing it. It was a great episode. I, I'm going to keep promising everybody that the deep dive will be well, well more like organized. And, and you know, how are we supposed to give 100 minutes or 80 minutes, whatever it was, of our there's thoughts? There's still more, man. Like, there's, there is still more because it, cut, it takes us right into the final feast with 17 minutes left in the episode, Josh. I love that, that Tommy invited Francis to sit at the table with them as a part of the family, finally. And that's when you get that politician scene. Linda steps up her only um, moment of the, of the episode, which I was very happy that we didn't get like a crazy amount. Overall, all of our predictions kind of like, and our wants and desires kind of came to fruition here. Well, at, at that dinner or at that meal, I noticed Duke's got the Peaky Blinder haircut. So he's fully, yeah. fully immersed. He got, he got, um, he got, he got introduced into, into the Peaky Blinders family. He has the, the sides are very cut. Um, just something that's something that I noticed. Um, what did you, I mean, I'm kind of going forward to the end. What did you think of who was burning the little 
you know, shrine of all the dead people in the Shelby family? I don't, I don't know. What was the purpose of that? I didn't know if that was like, they're burning that. So Tommy doesn't have any temptation to murder himself. I think they're going to like pretend Tommy's dead. Like, I think that's going to be like, so. yeah. Like, I think that was like, well, first off, like, obviously it's the, it's like the cleaning of the, of the shrine and Tommy's like sadness and all of that. But I think, I think they're going to play it. Like movie will start headline news. Tommy Shelby killed. Okay. Uh, and I think he's going to pretend to be dead, like, like Alfie well, recommended. Well, we, obviously, Tommy is kind of saying, you know, I'm going away, I'm going away. No one really knows what they're talking about. Ada kind of is reading between the lines a little bit, knows that Tommy's alluding to the fact that he's going to, you know, commit suicide and kill himself. And I was like, he's going he's, he's gonna to tell her, he's going to tell her, and she's kind of on to him a little bit. Um, that's, I mean, what, what else did you take away from that whole dinner scene? Um, I, I liked when we found out that Arthur said he was going to kill himself and Tommy's like, wait a minute, like you got to take care of him. You got to take care of him, Linda. I, I really enjoyed like Ada starting to catch on to everything. She's like, wait a minute, like how is Arthur know where you're going to be? I just liked all of those pieces connecting, but it carries us into that, that one month later scene. I thought it was very similar to that golf montage at the end of season three, when Tommy's like trying to do be like a normal person. Obviously I was wrong because he's trying to decide whether he's going to kill himself and then Ruby pops up and Tommy's like, am I already dead? Did Polly send you? That entire scene was chilling. And like you said, it was a perfect ending. They didn't even, I didn't even need, to be honest, I didn't even need the doctor re- revelation. I thought if they ended it like that and Tommy dies, it would have been great. And then it got it, even better. It would have. So, I mean, going into that scene, there's a lot to unpack there, right? We get a white horse. That's, that's, that's there, right? White horse yes. symbol of death, which we yes. know. Which he was supposed to give to Charlie, wasn't he? So that was like interesting. Correct. White horse symbol of death. He's on the field. He's like asleep. He wakes up. There's a black crow that's a like crowing next to him. Also, yeah. or, or it's like a vulture. I'm pretty sure it's a crow, but also it's definitely some sort of symbol of death. Certainly. And I thought to myself, I'm like, he's dead. Like I'm, I'm almost positive that he's dead in that moment. And he's like, in an, he's like dreaming or something. Well, and he, he, let, he let the fire go out. Right. So like, he kind of was like right on that. Right. Precipice. And and I, that's probably why like, he got to talk to Ruby. Right. Exactly. So I'm like, he's dead. Wow. This is crazy. Um, obviously he comes to the realization, he, he looks at that photo and he sees at the Oswald Mosley wedding that oh. his doctor is, is in that picture. Well, this so, is after he talked to Ruby. After he talked to Ruby, correct. Ruby is talking and her lips aren't moving. That's just one thing. I, I noticed. noticed that. Yeah. Very weird. That was creepy. I was like, I was like, I was like, is my stream buffering like wrong? <laughs> and like, there's no, this is a really bad timing. But, um. You know, also, I mean, just I, I'm, I'm looking back at my notes, too. Um, I don't know if you noticed that when Oswald was talking about the establishment, you know, the, the of, of, of English politics, he says, soon this establishment will come crumbling down, just like the people, you know, that that run it or something like that. And then Tommy, when he blows up his his home, it kind of reminded me of the Oswald quote of the establishment crumbling down. And I think that that was purposeful. So that was pretty powerful. Obviously, the fact that he just blows up his house to shreds and pieces. Crazy. Insane. Like, I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, and then... And then, and then the doctor scene. We, yeah, we, we that's wrap. also something that we have to talk about. And the, and the doctor tries to, to talk his way out of it. And, and it's pretty, pretty harrowing as well. And he does, right? And he survives. And it's like... Three, and so I wrote right away, Josh. I'm like, that's a plot hole. 
he said he was the family doctor. This is a mistake. They fucked up. And then they fixed it one minute later by Tommy being like, three years you were undercover as my doctor. And I was like, bravo, fucking bravo. That was, it was awesome. I made, it made me very happy. Um, I love this line. This is it. I am back, back from under the ground. Boom. Like Tommy saying that you could just highlight it, put it on a movie, like just make that the first minute of the trailer of, of the final minute of this season. It was, uh, it was peace. It was peace at last. That's what Tommy says. And then you hear the, the song and this was, yes. uh, uh, I wanted red right hand so bad. Yes. But this song, all the tired horses by Lisa O'Neill was like perfect. It was, it, it was I, very representative. I think that it was like, it was Tommy's a horse and he's a tired horse. Yeah. How, how will he go riding? How it was the same line over and over again, all tired horses. How will they, how will they go riding? And he's a, he's a tired horse that doesn't have any energy left. So it's like all this shit that's happened. Um, but at the end of the day, just amazing episode. A couple things, or one, one other thing that we kind of just didn't mention. No James Freshfield in this episode, which I think was a big mistake with how good he was doing throughout the whole season. Yeah. To not have him or, or uh, Stephen Graham in this episode, I think was a big miss. Could have added 15 more minutes to the episode and had those two really great actors and characters in this in this show in this episode. Um, I was kind of disappointed in, in how that Freshville plot kind of ended. It didn't really end. Obviously, it was vis-a-vis Michael, and obviously now Alfie. You know, I guess his final act. He's running Boston now, so I guess that was kind of the end of that plot. But what do you think? Honestly, I I could have gone either way. Um, you'd have to kind of pick what, what you'd want to take away if you're going to add it, you know, like what, what, what would you take away? Could you make it a 90 minute episode maybe, you know, and then like, I don't know like details with that and all of that, that I want to do a little bit more research before I talk about the Freshville stuff. I want to maybe hear some postseason remarks from the, from the uh, creators, from Steven and Anthony. I thought that it was, I, I don't know. I, I, what else could he have really brought? Like, let's wrap it on that. What do you, what else do you think he could have brought to the table? Cause he wanted them dead. So like the only more Jack Nelson stuff would have been like another scene with him trying to kill one of the Shelby's. Right. I guess, I guess what his initiative was to kill Arthur. You know what? I I can, I'll tell you what, sorry. I'll tell you what I I would have liked him in Boston sitting at his desk, finding out what happened. Yeah. That would have been great. Just like, like, like a, like a two minute scene with him. Like, like all of his guys just got killed. Michael got killed. I don't know what's going on with Gina, but like Arthur survived. The Irish deal is off because because all that's like, you know what I mean. I would have liked to see all of that because maybe, maybe it's, it's in the movie. Things, maybe it's in the movie. One of those things that just implied is that like their their overall mission was to get rid of Arthur and get rid of any other Peaky Blinder that's not Tommy because Tommy's obviously going to be killed by by Michael. So um, I, I guess it's kind of the end of his plot there. But um, overall, I think it's a top a top Brilliant. three episode in Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Uh, and definitely one of my favorite episodes. You know, I'm really excited to rewatch it and break it down more and see some things that we missed because it's definitely one of those things that has a lot of symbolic meaning underneath the actual script. And I can't wait to watch it with no buffering. You know, there was a little bit. I had to deal with some, some issues. And you know what? The VPN was awesome. I'm very happy with it. But when it comes on Netflix, it's going to be a lot smoother. I'll be able to, you know, yes. just binge through it. I can't wait for that. But uh Folks, we will have so much content for you here in the next week and a half. So make sure to stay tuned, subscribe, and join us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash Peaky, where we'll have your deep dive for you in a few days. Ooh, Peaky Blinders, season six, episode six. Amazing to hear that we're done. It's, it's like 
it's it's crazy, you know, like two years it's without anything. Sad, and now like, but I mean, this is this is not the end. We still have some more stuff coming. So, no doubt, he's Josh. I'm Daniel, and we've been seeing on that.